We are learning Daf Lamid Dalid, and in order to get a running start, let's start again from the two dots of Lamid Gimel Amid Beis, a little bit more than half the way down. Again, we're in the middle of a question. Our Mishnah says that when a person um, was violated in some way his sister, so then he has to pay the knas if she was an ara. And we have a question on that is because we have a Mishnah in Makos that says Abal Achoso gets uh, Malkos, there's lashes. And we have a rule that in Lokan and Mishaman, a person doesn't get a double penalty of both lashes and money. So what's the case? When is the scenario that a person gets the Malkos? And what is the scenario when a person uh, has to pay the money? So we're up to a third approach here, Rish Lakish Amar. Rish Lakish says that we can explain as follows. Hamani, who is the Mishnah that says that you have to pay a fine even though you get lashes as well? Rameir, the Amar Loka Mishnah, we're only going like Rameir. Rameir, as we saw from the Mishnah in Makos, he doesn't subscribe to the rule that there's no double punishment of lashes and money. According to Rameir, there could be a double punishment of lashes and money, and that's what our Mishnah holds. Says the Gemara, Yira Meir, Filubi Dunami. So it should be true even if someone violated his daughter as well, he should still have to pay the fine. The Mishnah is going to come up later and say, and Daflamadavav, that because of Kim Levit you don't have to pay the fine if someone violated the sister, if someone violated the daughter. So why not if we're going like Rameir? Maybe you'll say there's a, there's a distinction between two different types of double punishments. Lashes in payment for the same crime, there Rameir says you get both. But death penalty and payment for the same crime, that Rameir does not hold up. So if someone's Baal, with the punishment is death, so there, even Rameir agrees you don't pay the fine. But in our Mishnah, where it's a scenario where there's only lashes, then Rabbi Meir would hold, according to Rameir, you pay both. But says the Gemara, is that true? That Rameir doesn't hold it, that Rameir does agree to Kim Levi's Rabbi if it's a death penalty. Below, Hatanya says in a bright side, of top of Shabbos, what's the case? Someone stole a sheep or an ox and then he slaughters it on Shabbos. Kanav top of He stole a sheep or the ox and he shechted it for Avodah Or he stole an ox that already had a verdict that it was meant to be stoned. Let's say it killed a person or it was involved in an act of bestiality where the halacha is that the ox is meant to be stoned and then he shechted it. According to Rameir, you still pay Dalad Vahey. So it seems to be that Rameir does not subscribe to Kim Levit Rabbeinu. That's why he's saying that if some, even though somebody uh, shechted it on Shabbos, you still say that even though there's a death penalty because it's Chil uh, Shabbos, but there's still monetary payments. Racham pochim, racham exempted. Ashabshad is Rabbanan exempted because of Kim Levit Rabbeinu. Rameir doesn't hold to Kim Levit So we're going in circles. If Rameir doesn't hold to Kim Levit then we can't say he's the author of our Mishnah because even Baal Bito should then be chayv, uh, the knas, the penalty. And we see that's not the case. So the Gemara says, oh, it's my law. No, everyone agrees. Rameir also agrees to kill him and drive him with the death penalty. What's the pshat? Amar Vakwa, Rabbi Yochanan. For Amri, a lot of people say different names. Amar Rabbi Yirmi, Rabbi Shem, Rabbi Lakish, Rabbi Abin, Rabbi Lai, Rabbi Chochav, Rabbi Yochanan. A lot of people saying the name of Rabbi Yochanan, Betovecha Deacha. The Rise was talking about a case where he shafted it through somebody else. What does that mean? Meaning the Ganav made a shliach, he made an agent to slaughter it for him. So therefore, what's happening? is that he's not actually high of the death penalty for Chiyav Shabbos because he was not the one who did it. So through the idea of Shlichos, he's going to be high for Dalit Behe to, to pay the monetary payment. But since he wasn't the one who actually was Machal of the Shabbos, so then um, there's not going to be Kim Lebed Rabbi Mide. Now, obviously the idea is that on the Chol Shabbos, we're saying, he didn't desecrate the Shabbos. 
But on the point of the of the monetary payment of four and five, there we say that there's a shliach for that point. So the Gemara first doesn't accept that. Can you have the idea of shlichas to be mechayev somebody to pay the 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 dollar? Hey, how could that be? That's always a general idea in Shas that you can't make a shliach for something that's a sin. The Torah says, I sell slaughtering it or selling it, you pay four or five. Just as when you're selling an animal, it involves somebody else. You need a buyer to sell something. So it, it's not something you do yourself, but it involves another party. So too, the liability for slaughtering an animal comes about through another person, meaning it's exactly that even if you, if you, if you uh, shecht it through an agent, it's considered that you did it, and therefore, you have to pay Dalvei. Another Makar for it, the Oh, the Pasuk says oh, the word or, which is an extra word, the Rabbi says shliach, it comes to include a shliach, has to pay tachas, the Rabbi says shliach, it says tachas, which comes to include um, the, the chiyav, even if it comes about through an agent. So bottom line is, is that we're saying that the case is that a person appointed a shliach to shachli for Man Shabbos, and therefore there's no kim lebedirabunei. But generally, Rameir does agree to kim lebedirabunei, so that's why Baal Abito doesn't have to pay a knas. Our mission that Baal does have to pay the knas is going like Rameir, that lashes and the monetary fine can go together. It says the Gemara Moscow from Mishra, Mika Could there be such a thing that if the person himself would do it, he wouldn't be Chayav? Why? If he himself was Shachan Shabbos, there would be Kimlid Ramane, he'd be Potter. But now that I made it through a Shleach, now I am liable? The Gemara's question is how can a Shleach bring me greater liability than if I would do it myself? If I would do it myself, I would be exempt because of Kimlid Ramane. So how could it be that since it was done through an agent, now I'm going to have a greater liability. How could that be? It's against like the svara that something that an agent does cannot be stronger than something that you yourself do. So the Gemara answer is, The point of the Gemara's answer is, it's not that, you're, that you're, what your actions aren't make you responsible to pay. It's just that there's a din of kimlei with the It's not that the shleach has greater power than you have. It's just that when you do it, you end up being exempt because of kimlei with the Whereas when you do it through the shleach, then you don't end up with that technical point. In other words, the shleach can't have greater power than you. But in this case, it's not that the shleach has greater power. It's just that when the shleach does it, then there's not that technicality of kimlei with the so this is the recap of where we are so far. So the Gemara has established that every even Reb Meir agrees to Kimle with the Rabbi Mine. The reason why is Machai Vidalav Hey when you shaft on Shabbos is because we're dealing with a case that you made a shliach to shaft for you on Shabbos. So says the Gemara, if that's the case, if that's the case, then what's the pshat in the Rabbanon? The Rabbanon had their dissenting view. The Rabbanon say that you don't have to pay Dalav Hey when you shaft on Shabbos, and the question is why? If the case is through a shliach and there's a rule that there's shliachos for Dalav Hey, then you should have to pay. Says the Gemara, Man Chacham Avur the Chachamim Tabad Amar Av Rabbi Shimon. We're going like the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. The Amar Shchita Sheini Ruiyah Losh Mashchita. So we have a concept. Means that when you slaughter something and the animal is not going to be fit for eating, then according to Rabbi Shimon, that's not considered a shchita. It's not considered something that's actually considered uh, like it was slaughtered. And it's a fascinating idea because really it was slaughtered, just there could be technicalities that don't allow you to eat it. But Rabbi Shimon says the definition of a shchita is that there is a heterachila. It's something that's going to bring that you can eat the meat afterwards. And if you slaughter something, there's not going to be a hazard to eat it afterwards to eat the meat. It's not considered like you slaughtered it. And the big point will be that um, if somebody shechs something and on, 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 in regard to paying for the, four, the, the penalty of four or five times, when you, uh, when you steal an animal and slaughter it, then it's got to be that the meat afterwards is marched to be eaten. So therefore the Rabbanon are going to say that in our case, well, let's say the animal was an Avodah you shechted it Avodah If you shechted Avodah you're not allowed to eat the meat. It becomes forbidden. So therefore, 
um, when you shech such a thing, you're not going to have to pay the penalty of four or five because that's not considered that you shechted it. If you would put a bullet through it, if you didn't shech it, for example, then clearly you wouldn't have to pay dollar hay. So if you shechted it in a way that the meat's not going to be eaten, if that's not called the shechita, and the viewer of Shem, and then you're not going to have to pay Dalat Beheg. So that explains the Rabbanon. The Rabbanon's opinion here is not because of Kimle with the Rabbanon. Here you did through, through your Shlep. But the point is, you're not going to have to pay because it's not considered a Shrita which is fit for eating. So the Gemara says, well, honey, that's good in the second, the second and third case where you shechted Avodazar or if it was an ox which was Paskin that it had to be stoned. Because in that case, you can't eat the meat. If you can't eat the meat, it's not a Shrita. But if you shechted on Shabbos, it's still a Shrita for If you shechted on Shabbos, maybe you desecrated Shabbos. But the meat is still permitted to be eaten. There's no law that you can't eat the meat of something that was shaft on Shabbos. And where do we know that from? The Tana says in a Mishnah that if you shaft on Shabbos, you can't even though you've done a really bad crime, it's a really bad avera, and you're even there's a chiv misa for it. But the meat of the animal is still allowed to be eaten. So basically what we're saying is we haven't explained the opinion of the Rabbanon adequately. If the case is that you shechted on Shabbos through an agent, so there's no reason here for us to say why the Rabbanon should say your potter. Elamai, you're going to say the Rabbanon should say your potter because it's not considered that there was a shechita done. Because if you shechted on Shabbos, it's not shechita because the meat can't be eaten. But that's not true. Somebody shechted on Shabbos, the meat could be eaten. So there's no reason why it wasn't a shechita. So why shouldn't you be chayv dalad behei if it was shechted on Shabbos once we have established that the case is that it was done through an agent? So the Gemara explains that in order to understand the opinion of the Rabbana, we're going to say that really we're sticking with what we said. That it's a shechita she'inu ru'il lo It wasn't considered slaughtered because since shechita on Shabbos, the meat cannot be eaten. I, we said in the mission of the meat, could be eaten. No, the Pshadis Rabbana hold like the lone, the minority opinion of Rabbi Yochanan which is very strict in the laws of Maisa Shabbos. Rabbi Yochanan opinion is that when somebody shechita on Shabbos, Actually, the meat is not going to be allowed to be eaten. The time is, it sends a rice. Let's say someone transgresses Shabbos, he cooks food. If it was done, then you're allowed to eat. In other words, the law of Maisa Shabbos of not benefiting from Lachal is done doesn't apply if it was Bishogeg. If it was done Bishogeg, you were trying to be on Shabbos below Yochal. Then there is a penalty. You cannot eat what you cook. Differ Rabbi Meir. That's Rabbi Meir's most lenient opinion. Rabbi Meir's opinion is that if it was done Bishogeg, you're allowed to eat. If it was done Bishogeg, you cannot. If you don't, Meir, this that we say, Bishogi, you can eat, Bishogi, Yochel, Matzah, Shabbos. You're only allowed to eat it after Shabbos. But on Shabbos itself, even if it was Bishogi, you cannot eat. Bimezid, if it was Shechta, Bimezid, to be Mechal Shabbos, Lo Yochel, you can never eat the food. So Rabbi Yehuda is more strict. He says Bishogi can only be eaten after Shabbos, Bimezid, it can never be eaten. Even within Rabbi Yehuda's opinion, let me take it a step further, even more strict. Even if it was done Bishogin, you need not a Shabbos, that's only other people can eat it, but not the transgressor himself, the one who did cook the cooking on Shabbos, he can never eat it. But amazed, and if it was done Bishogin, it can never be eaten. Lo, lo, for lo, neither by him, the person who cooked, or by any other Jew. So he is the most strict of Yochanan Sandler. He holds that when a Maisa Shabbos is done, when there's a Maisa of Maisa and someone is Machal Shabbos, no one can ever benefit from the cooking. And we're assuming that the same thing is true for Shechita. Whenever Malach has done something like that, you can never eat the meat. And now our answer is good. It's a Shabbos. Therefore, according to the opinion of Rabshim, it's not considered it was slaughtered. That's the reason why the Rabbanim will say there's no Chiv Dalad Behek.
Says the Gemara, what is the source for this concept? My time is Rabbi Sandler. Again, Rabbi Sandler is saying such an extreme point that whenever Malafa was done on Shabbos, the, 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 the dinner of Maisha Shabbos that can never be eaten by anyone, what is the source for this? expounded by the house of the Nazi. The says, It's holy. So, what does it mean that Shabbos is holy? We know holiness generally, like hektish, is something that's in the base of Mikdash. Just is something that's consecrated, something in the base of Mikdash. The terms of the Isra Kodesh are that it's usher for your personal benefit of eating. So too, the din of Shabbos, the product of a malacha that was done on Shabbos, it's a fascinating series of custom that you have to stay away from Maisha Shabbos. You might say that Hektish not only is it usher to eat, you can't have any benefit from it. Hektish is only for the base of Mikdash. Not only is it also for a person to eat, but he can't have any benefits. So I would say, if Maisa Shabbos also no, maybe if someone does a malach on Shabbos, it should be totally forbidden in benefit. The pasuk says that it's for you. It's still promoter in benefit. The point is that it's only an iser to eat. Let's say, you, for example, you can give it to a non-Jewish person. You might think that the din of Maisa Shabbos is eat whenever Shabbos was transgressed, even if it was unintentional. It says next to it in the pasuk that the people who are machal Shabbos are put to death. Just as the din of Achiev Misa for Chil Shabbos is only b'mezid, so too this law that we're discussing here in our context of Maisa Shabbos, it's only true if it was done b'mezid. But if it was inadvertent, then there's no din of Maisa Shabbos. It may, in fact, um, still be eaten. Now the Gemara gets into this idea of Rabbi Yochanan Sandler that Maisa Shabbos can never be benef- can never be eaten. There's a dispute that this law of Rabbi Yochanan Sandler is from a pasuk and therefore it's a daraisa halacha, meaning this law that you cannot eat Maisa Shabbos. It's a true on a biblical level. It's not only Mitzrayim Bonin has a penalty that you can't and you can't eat it. It's true on a biblical level, a din midaraisa as well. The other opinion says that no, it's only midrabbanan, meaning to say it's only rabbinic penalty, but it's not an essential law from the Torah. Says the Gemara, the Raisa, the source of the one who says that it was from the Torah Kadam Martin. It's like what we just said. It was the Xeris HaKasav, Kikodeshi Lachem. Ma'ad the one who says it's only Drabbanan. No, he shows that the Pasuk does not mean that because Amarkar Kodeshi, it is Kodesh. The Shabbos is Kodesh. What does it mean, it is Kodesh? To the exclusion of Malacha, he Kodesh. The Shabbos itself, the day of Shabbos is a holy day. It does not mean that the product of a, of a Maisha Shabbos has any consecration to it. That's not the meaning. The Pasuk is only saying that the day is holy. The Pasuk is not saying that the actions done of Malacha are holy. So according to this opinion, it must only be that it's a rabbinic penalty. So now the Gemara goes back. So wait a second. If it's true that it's only a penalty, that's midrabbanan. So now we're back, not understanding why would the rabbanan say that when this ganav goes and checks on Shabbos, that he's potter. The only answer we had to explain the rabbanan, if it was shechted through somebody else, the only way we had to understand the rabbanan was by saying that there was shchita she'ena ruya. And the reason why it was shchita she'ena ruya is because of the, that we're going like Rabbi Yochanan Sandler that uh, you cannot eat. You cannot eat from Maiser Shabbos. But if we're saying that the law of not eating from Maiser Shabbos is only a rabbinic penalty, that's not a reason to get you off the hook for Dalit Vahey. If it's only a rabbinic penalty, then by Torah law, it is a shrita that is ruya. It's only with the that you cannot eat the food. So now we're back stuck. So why would the Rabbanon say you pots from Dalit Vahey in the case where you shafted on Shabbos? So the Gemara answer is you're right. According to the Suki, this that the Rabbanon are saying you're exempting the thief from Dalit Vahey is only going on the other two cases. What are the other two cases? Where you shafted the Zara or you shafted the Shahanis? 
Nizgal. In those two cases, it's absolutely a Shrita She'en The meat cannot be eaten, definitely by Torah law as well. And in those two cases, the Rabbanon is saying it's not considered Shechted and your Pater from Dalad Vehei. But the Rabbanon would in fact concede that if someone Shechted on Shabbos, if they did it through a Shleach, through somebody else, so you're not going to have the Kimle Bidrabamine, and therefore you would be Chayav, and it's a Shechita, which is Reuya, because the entire law of Rebilchan Asantala, that you cannot eat the meat, may only be a rabbinic penalty, but not an essential din midaraisa. So let's recap where we are. We're establishing our Mishnah is the opinion of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir's opinion is that a person could get lashes and pay money. That's why our Mishnah was saying that there are lashes on Ba al Achoso. However, Rabbi Meir does concede to Kimli Mitaramine if there is a death penalty, and that's why someone who is Ba al Bito, they would not pay the penalty. If that's true, why do we have a price where Rabbi Meir says, Someone shechting and slot, and someone stealing and then shechting on Shabbos or shochelav or The law is going to be that they uh, that they pay dollar hey, Why is that? Why don't we say kim mine? So we're explaining that it was done through a shliach. If it was done through a shliach, then you're not going to say kim mine. If so, then what is the reason for the rabbanon? So we're explaining. That the Rabbanon holds shchita she'ini ru'iyah lo shma shchita. So if you shech lavrozar or shar nitzko, it's not considered that a shchita was done. And in a case where we shechted on Shabbos in a chanami, the Rabbanon would agree to Rabbi Meir's position that you are in fact chayav for dalit vehei. Now the Gemara continues, and it's not really relevant directly to what the Gemara just said, but we're just trying to analyze the cases in the brayza. One of the cases was toveach lavroz kochavim, someone who shechted to. And we said, according to our mayor, he is liable. And the Rabbanon said, no, so you're not liable. So says the Gemara, the why would our mayor ever say you're chayav for shechting? As soon as you cut just a little bit of the simana, remember, shechita is when you're shechting the trachea and the esophagus. When you, it's only considered a shechita to be chayav, you know, liability for dalad behei, only if you make a full slaughtering. But as soon as you make the tiniest incision, it already becomes asr, as a sacrifice to Avodazar, because to become designated that this thing is being given to the idol, you don't need a full slaughtering. The law is, as soon as you make a slight incision for the sake of idolatry, the animal already becomes forbidden in benefit. It's already considered given to the idol. Now when you finish the slaughtering and you make the amount, the requisite amount of the majority of the trachea of the esophagus to be considered a full act of slaughtering, it's no longer like the, the, the original owner's animal that you're even slaughtering at that point because at this point it's already ostered to the owner. So you're not chaya for slaughtering it if it's not anymore something which he can benefit from. Once you make this tiniest incision, and at this point it's already considered the thing which was given to the idol, forbidden in benefit, un, and now there's no, not, no value to this, to the original a victim who, who, who the animal was stolen from. So there's no additional liability which should be incurred here when, when the shechita is finished. Again, the idea of the Torah that you pay dollar to hay is that you're furthering it away from the victim. You use one thing to steal it. Okay, but now you're furthering it away from the victim because you're slaughtering and taking it away. But the Gemara's point is, before the din, the technicality of the din of the shechita is complete, it's already with the tiniest incision that a person makes on the trachea, then already at that point it's considered asr bahana and totally asr in benefit. So once that occurs, so the shechita is not doing anything. So what's the liability for the ganav in such a case? The price of talking about a case where the person slaughtering it, he specifically said, I only want to give it to the Avodazar. I'm only, I'm only worshiping the Avodazar with the Shechita at the end of the Shechita. So it doesn't become an idolatrous, an idolatrous carbon until the end of the Shechita, and therefore it's permissible until the Shechita is finished. And that's why you become liable to pay Dalat the hay through the Shechita. He then continues the Gemara, another question. 
on the case of Shara Niskal, if somebody slaughtered an animal which was condemned to be stoned, like, and again, the animal, let's say, uh, killed a person who was involved in active bestiality, the law is the Torah says that the animal is meant to be killed. So if somebody shafts it, so Rabbi Meir said that you're chayav to pay the dollar of So the Gemara says, why? Shara Niskal, you're not slaughtering the animal, the original owner. And again, what's the reason? Because it becomes Azar Bahana as soon as it's condemned for death, as soon as the verdict is pronounced on the animal that it's meant to be stoned, then it loses all of its um, permissibility and no, you're not allowed to have no. Once the Gemara Din is handed on to the ox, once it's condemned for death, then it's already also Bahana. So the same question. When you go to shecht it, you're not shechting something which really belongs to the original owner in any way. He has nothing from the animal. Once it's condemned to be stoned, then there's no value. There's no hana that he can possibly have. So what am I doing when I shecht dalad vei? The only way to be chayv dalad vei is by furthering it away from the victim. But I'm not doing that. Once it's an animal which is condemned to death, what in the world am I taking away from him? Amar Rabba, Rabba answers, in here, what are we dealing with? The case is that the owner of the ox had given it to somebody else to watch. And then it killed a person while it was in the house, while it was under the jurisdiction of the Shomer to watch. And it was ver- the verdict that it was supposed to die was reached while it was still in his custody, in his, in his watch. And the thief is stealing it from the house, not of the original owner, but he's stealing it from the Shomer's house. In order to understand this, we have to say Rabbi Meir holds like Rabbi Yaakov and he holds like Rabbi Shimon. What are these two points? Even if the verdict was already given on the animal, it was sentenced to death. If the Shomer would return it to the owner, it's considered returned. Meaning, if I'm expected to watch your animal, protect Protect your animal, nothing should happen to it. So what happens if um, it's under my watch and then it kills somebody and it's pronounced that it, there's a verdict on it that now the animal is meant to die. And I take the animal and I return it. I say, by the way, here's your animal back. And the guy says to me, what do you mean here's, my, here's the animal back? It, it, this animal now, you didn't do a good job of guarding it because now it's condemned for death. I, I, the Shomer, can tell the original owner no issue whatsoever because there's no real tangible change in the animal. Yes, now it has a verdict that it is meant to be killed, but it's still technically in the tangible reality, the physical parts of the, of the animal, it's the same exact animal that you gave to me. And even though now it has a verdict to death, which makes it Asr Bahana, I have the right to say, here it is in front of you. Nothing actually changed about the ox itself. And therefore, I, don't, I did a good job guarding it, which is a fascinating concept. That as a shomer, my liability can only come from things that physically happen to it. If it's nothing that physically happened to it, then I'm off the hook. I returned the ox that I took. Something that can cause a benefit to a person is considered like money. So what happens here, if you think about it, if you put it together, is that in our case where I was stolen from the house of the shomer, if I'm going to shaft it, then I'm going to cause a lot of damage to the Shomer. Why? Because if the Shomer would have it in his possession, he could just rest- return it to the victim and be off the hook. But if I shaft it now, then I'm causing the potential loss of the Shomer because now the Shomer doesn't have the ox to give back to the original owner. So we hold like Reb Shimon that something that could go cause a benefit of money is considered like money. So even though this ox itself is also Bahanah before I shaft it, so I'm not really doing anything, I'm not taking away anything from anybody. But if you think about it, I am. Because the Shomer would have 
have been able to use the animal to return it to the original owner. And since now I go and slaughter it, he cannot do that. So therefore, I as the Ganav, I'm causing a loss to the Shomer. Because had the Shomer had the animal, he would have been able to say to the original owner, here it is in front of you, I've done my job in guarding. But now that, 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 that I slaughter it, so he can no longer do that. So since he can no longer do that, I have caused him to lose money. If we hold like these two points together, like Rabbi Yaakov and Rabbi Shimon, so there's a liability that now I, the Ganav, who stole it from the Shomer and slaughtered it, I'm furthering away from the Ganav, from, from the Shomer. I'm causing him the loss of money, and that's why I would, in fact, have to pay. All right, now the Gemara is going to go back to the question that we originally had on Rameir. Our original question is that how could Rameir say that if somebody shafts on Shabbos, that he's chayv dalavei. What happened to the rule of kim lebedaramimine? If you're desecrated the Shabbos and you shouldn't have to pay the the, the 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 penalty of paying four or five times the amount. The only, and before we were saying it must be the cases you made a shliach to shaft on the Shabbos. Now the Gemara gives a different approach. Rabbi Amar We could say that the thief himself is slaughtering the animal. Top of the Amid Beis. Rameir lokom sham isle mesam sham lese. And even though Rameir holds you could get lashes and pay for the same crime, but you wouldn't be put to death and pay for the same crime. So why don't you say kim lebedaramimine? The answer is. Shani Hani, these cases are different. This law that you pay four or five times the value of stolen animal is not a monetary payment, it's a fine. It's a knas. The, the, the nature of a knas is it's not commensurate with what you're damaging. Here you are, it's four or five times the amount of the animal. So that's something that's called a specific fine. It's not a monetary payment that's, that, that is in line, in sync with what you've done. That's usually called a mamon. Knas is when it's just like a random fine that the Torah gives. And a fine is different. It's a chiddish. It's a novelty. And therefore, even though there's an execution, even though there's, kim, there's a death penalty, you still pay the fine. Meaning the point that we're saying is, kim lebit rabba does not apply to a fine. When do we say Kimle Bidramine? We only say Kimle Bidramine on a payment. But we don't say Kimle Bidramine to exonerate a person from paying a fine. So that's the Pshan and Rameh. Really, you shafted it yourself on Shabbos. But you're not going to say Kimle Bidramine because the, pun- the punishment of paying four or five times the value of the animal is a knas, it's a novelty, and therefore you still have to pay the fine. Says the Gemara, this idea that we don't see Kim Levin Durabimine on a fine, Az Rabba Tameh. Rabba is consistent with something he said somewhere else. Dalmar Rabba, Let's say someone has a goat in his possession, he stole it before Shabbos, and now he is shechting it on Shabbos. Chayev, so he has to pay the knas. Shikfarnas Chayev, the Chiva, the Gneva, was there before Shabbos. So, in other words, he definitely did the Gneva. He's not going to get off the hook. Because he stole on Shabbos, he stole. He stole. He stole before Shabbos. So now the only question is: Does he have to pay the dollar of the hay for the chol Shabbos? And we say he does. We don't say kim levi drabimineh because as Rabbah holds, we don't get a person off of a knas of paying four or five times the amount with kim levi drabimineh. However, if he stole it and slaughtered it on Shabbos, so the stealing was through chol Shabbos, like a case where let's say you stole it by transferring it out. Remember, we spoke about that case a couple of days back. So it was through the chol Shabbos that he made the gneva. So now I say on the actual Gneva. And now he doesn't even have to pay four or five times the amount. We're going to say Why don't we say he has to pay the penalty? The answer is If there's no liability for the theft itself, how could there be liability for the slaughtering of the sale? So the point that we're saying is since is here, 
In the second case, on the actual stealing, on the actual theft, let's say he transferred it out of the victim's domain on Java. So you have the Kibbalah Dramamine on the basic liability of the theft itself. So once it's, it's nipped in the bud on the fundamental, the, the, on the monetary payment of the actual principle of what he stole, you have Kibbalah Dramamine, so you're not going to be able to tack on four or five times the, the penalty of the, of the Dalit Behei on top of that. So if the Gneva was before Shabbos and now it's just a question of the penalty, let's say you slaughtered on Shabbos, so I say there's no Kibbalah Dramamine but if the Geneva itself was on Shabbos and I have Kim on the actual theft itself so then he's going to be off the hook for everything for Amar Rabba, very similar concept like eating gun of let's say somebody already stolen a goat and then he slaughtered it while he was making a tunnel so what's the case somebody is, is, is coming to steal from his friend he's a burglar and he's tunneling in to come into his house and steal his money. So what's the law? That if the, the owner of the house finds somebody who's digging a tunnel in to come rob him, he's mutter to kill him. What's the pshat? Because we assume that the person who's tunneling in, he knows that he's risking his life by doing that because the person, the person might, 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 might shoot him and um, be quite upset that he's tunneling into his house. So if you come and you tunnel in, evidently, you're assuming you're coming armed and you might try to kill the homeowner yourself. So therefore, the homeowner, we say that everyone has a right to kill him. He's like a rodef at that point. So it's like a chi of misa, even though it's only temporary. It's only while he's in the tunnel. But while he's in the tunnel, we say that he's actually could be liable. Somebody, anybody could kill him. So in the case where, where he was slaughtering it while he was in the machtares, chayav. So then he's liable to pay dollar to hey, why is that? I want you to say Kimlebit Ramine because again, the same thing. This is Rabba's opinion. You don't say Kimlebit Ramine to get a person off of a of a knas. There already was a chiyah for the theft. So now the question is just for the dalad v'hei. So we say you have to pay dalad v'hei in there's no kemalit rabbi because it's a knas. However, let's say you stole it while you were tunneling, so then you're going to be exempt. Why? You're going to have kemalit rabbi on the actual principle of the theft because that's a monetary payment. And once you say that, so then you can't tack on dalad v'hei unto itself. Again, if there's dalad v'hei, if, the, if there's going to be kemalit exempting the person from the actual principal, so then there's not, he's not going to be ob- obligated to pay the four or five amount. So Rabba is saying a very basic idea that there's no Kemal Dramine on a knas, and, he's, and, 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 and therefore, if there's ever a scenario where it was already stolen, and now there's Kemal Dramine just on the issue of Dalit Behei, you're going to still have to pay. So now... We, but he spoke about this in two different cases. He spoke about it with Shabbos, and he spoke about it in a case where he was doing it while he was tunneling into somebody's house. So why was it necessary to say both rulings? If he only spoke about it with Shabbos, I would say there, and then just to bring out the point, Rav is not only making that point, he's, only making an, he's also making another point that there is Kim Lebed on the actual theft. Meaning if he already stole it, and now the Kim Lebed is just being on the Dalad Behei, so there we say that there's no Kim Lebed and a Knas. But if he's stealing it while the actual basic Theft is taking place while he has either Chil Shabbos or tunneling in, then we do say Kemli Dramine. So, why is it a novelty in both cases? Yes, Shmir Shabbos, if you only spoke about Shabbos, I would say there the death penalty exempts him from payment. Like, let's say he stole it by transferring it out of the victim's domain on Shabbos. He was Machalo Shabbos through stealing it. There, I would say Kemli Dramine shouldn't be serious or Olam. Shabbos is very Chomer type of death penalty. There's no way, it, there's no way to get out of it. Meaning, once you're Machal Shabbos forever, you're Chayav Misa. The, the liability of death while you're tunneling, it's only while you're in the tunnel. It's not going to continue. 
while you're in the tunnel, somebody somebody can kill him. But afterwards, there's no he's not he, the person who tunneled in cannot be put to death. Let's say we know witnesses say that he tunneled in. You can't put him to death tomorrow while he's in the tunnel. The Torah says you could kill him. So therefore, I would say it's a lighter type of death penalty. And therefore, there's all killings around him. And on the theft, I would say there's no liability. To, his liability to death doesn't get him off the hook for the payment of the theft. If you only spoke by the case the tunneling itself is the legal warning, meaning there's an extra chumrah that we say about the tunneling burglar that even though he wasn't warned, as soon as he's in the tunnel, somebody can kill him. So there's an extra severity, an extra chumrah in that scenario of being in the tunnel that he can be killed without Hasra. So there I would say, since it's so severe, you say Kim Levi Dirabinav Shabbos to buy Hasra. By Shabbos, the death penalty is less stringent. You can only be put to death. The liability for, for being Bachal Shabbos to be put to death is only with warning. Amalo, I would say so that the liability of death does not exact you, exempt you from payment. Therefore Tzricha was necessary for Rabba to tell me in both cases, both by Khal Shabbos and by the Machteris, by the tunnel, in both cases, if somebody was stealing in those scenarios, he's gonna say, we're gonna say Kim Levi Again, we're only going to say that when it's on the theft. If the theft happened prior to that, then as the Gemara Rabbah was bringing out, then through we will still say you have to pay the dollar of hay. Dalad v'hei is a knas. You don't say kim le'bidur on a knas. So bottom line is, we have explained Rabbi Meir in a different way. Rabbi's point here is that we can say Rabbi Meir does hold of Kim Levit Rabbi Bnei, someone who shafts on Shabbos, is still going to be Chayav Dalit Behe because on a Knast you don't get to say Dalit Behe. Then we continue though, if the theft, the principle, that's a monetary payment, that was through Chil Shabbos, then you would say Kim Levit Rabbi Bnei, and by Machteris as well, the same exact law applies. Continues the Gemara, something similar here. Amar Papa, Someone already said a cow that was stolen before Shabbos. Then he shouts on Shabbos. He has to pay Shabbos. Because again, as we said, so the theft, the punishment was already there. So now it's only a question of the hay. So then we say, then we say you have to pay. Um, the Dalav Hay, even though it was, a, it was through Chil Shabbos, because uh, it's a Knas. However, Haisa Parashu Ulolo, let's say somebody borrowed a cow before, who's Vachav Shabbos, Ani Slaras, and Shabbos Potter, he's exempt from paying anything. Why? Because the thief was already high of the second he stole it, so it was already before Shabbos. But when you're Shul, you're borrowing it, the liability, it does not come at the time that you borrow it. Even though you're Mikabal, the Onsim. From that time that you borrowed it, but for the to, the the time that you're chayiv to pay, you, again you accepted the responsibility when you when you borrowed it. But the time that you have to pay is only when the onus actually occurs. So what's the time that you're becoming chayiv to pay for this cow is only when it is slaughtering it. At that point, you're robbing the owner of its use and you have to pay. So there. We're going to say Kim Lebedurabine. If I stole it before, so there was a chiv already of monetary payment before Shabbos, so then, then you already chive in the Geneva, and then at Knas, you could say Dalav Hey. But if it was borrowed, even though I had accepted the responsibility for it at the time that I borrowed it, but the time that I actually have to pay something only comes when I first slaughter it, and that slaughtering is done on Shabbos. Only in that moment am I actually have to give anything. Is there any actual real chiyav of paying anything? So therefore, it's going to come at the same moment as the Chil Shabbos, and therefore I'm going to say, Kim Le'bitiramine. So Rav Papa is highlighting the difference between She'ela and Gneva. If it was stolen before, so the time of liability for the theft was there before Shabbos, so then on Shabbos, it's only a question of the Dalat Vehei, so then you have to pay, because on Kanas, there's no Kinele Dramune. But if it was borrowed, we say it's different. Then when you shuffle on Shabbos, that's first the time that you're ever becoming obligated to pay for anything. Therefore, you're going to say Kim 
Yamine. Says the Gemara, what's really the novelty? He was coming to tell us a cow, meaning before we already spoke about a goat, and the scenario of a goat. And now we're going to speak about a cow, meaning like, what's the novelty? Before we spoke about if it was a case of a goat that was stolen before Shabbos, then you shall turn Shabbos, you have to pay Dalvei. Now we're going to say the same thing about a cow. Was Rapapa telling us a chiddush of a cow versus a goat? So I'm like, no, Rapapa shula sashmina. There was then that novelty of the contrast that he was making about when the, when the, when the cow was bowered before. And now why is that a novelty? Because you may have thought to say, oh, Rapapa said elsewhere, really, as soon as you make the Mashiach, to go borrow it, you're being obligated to pay for its food. The Gemara talks about this in Bama Metziah, that we say along this, that from the time that you pull it itself, you already have all the financial obligations are already incumbent upon you. So I would say in that time, it's already considered by you. So at the time you borrow the cow, even before you desecrated Shabbos and Shachted it, you're already liable to pay. So in other words, once you're macabre the onsim, you brought it under by you, that's really the time that you have to pay. Now, if, if the cow is still around, I can return it. But I would say from it's the time that you borrow it, from the time that you pull it by you, that's the time that of the obligation sets in to put it back to the owner. And therefore, I would say it's not going to live with when you shacht it now on Shabbos at the same time that you're shachting it, now you're becoming chayv. I would say the real chayv was already there for the time that you pull it. Just like Rapapa is saying there, we view that you're chayv in, 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 in giving it all of its food and everything, and therefore it's really something that's by you. Like a shoel, it's like mamish his thing that is by him, and now he has, just has an obligation later to pay. So I would say already... From the moment that the Mashiach was done, he already had that liability. So therefore, there's no Kimle Bidrabamine by shafting it on Shabbos to take him off, to, 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 to exonerate him from paying the monetary payment. Kabash Papa tells us that it's otherwise, even though you're accepting responsibility for it before, for any onsim, but the actual time of liability is only when you go ahead and you shaft it, and therefore there's going to be Kimle Bidrabamine if you were to shaft it on Shabbos. Continues to come Let's say a father dies and he had borrowed a cow and now the cow is in his, is, is by him and now the kids, his heirs, have this cow. So they can continue using it for the duration of the time that it was borrowed. Meaning we could assume that the, 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 the rights of, of, of usage that, that the father had as a borrower, that they will continue to his children as well. Mesa. Now let's say it dies. Some onus occurs. It's struck by lightning. The children don't have to pay for the onus because they weren't macabre that. The father was macabre that. But since they never, when they were not the ones who made the Kenyan themselves. So therefore they never accepted this liability to have to watch it from any onsim that they would restore to the original victims. Therefore, if it dies, they do not have to pay. Continues to, continues to with another case. Let's say they thought it was their father's own cow. So they slaughtered and ate it. So they were a little bit more negligent here. They thought, instead of realizing that they were borrowing it, they thought it was them, something that they inherited. Then they have to pay the lender the value of the cow's meat at a cheaper rate. What does it mean at a cheaper rate? So Rashi explains it's two-thirds of market value. And the idea is that they don't have to pay the full price of meat because they may not have eaten the meat if they would have known they had to pay. Um, but they didn't know exactly what they were doing. So they're not a regular mazik. Since they didn't know they were hurting someone else's property, that's not called a mazik. An interesting point. So they only have to pay for whatever value the benefit that they had. And therefore, the benefit that they had, we say, is at a cheaper value. So they clearly should have been a little bit more careful. But when they weren't, they only have to pay the amount that they benefited. They weren't macabre, again, 
the actual Shmira here, they definitely didn't have that. But uh, they should have been more careful here. They're not mazikim because they didn't know it was somebody else's property. They thought it was their own. So they're paying a cheaper rate for the meat. However, if their father left them like real estate, lands, houses, then they have to pay. What is that last line going on that if their father left them real estate, they have to pay? Some people say it's going back on the ratio. And the ratio is a case where it was struck by lightning. So we say they don't have to pay. And we would be saying, but if their father left them real estate, then they do have to pay. Some people teach it on the Seifa. The Seifa was the case where they thought it was their own and they slaughtered and ate it. And we'd be saying that, when is it true that they only have to pay Basar Bazol? That's without real estate. But if they have real estate, then... Um, then they would have to pay regularly. So the Gemara explains, The one who teaches it on the Reisha certainly applies it in the Seifa. In the Reisha, there was nothing they could have done. It was an unavoidable onus. It was struck by lightning. And we're still saying that if the father left them real, real estate, then they have to pay. In the Seifa, where they were more negligent and they should have realized that it wasn't theirs, that if their father real, left them real estate, they have to pay. Um, and, but, and the point would be, if you teach it on the Reisha, then... then, then, then then, then even when it's unavoidable, they have to pay. Certainly where it was more avoidable and they should have been more careful, they have to pay if their father left in real estate. Another point, obliga de rapapa. According to this understanding, then Rava disagrees with Rapapa. In what way? Rapapa said before that when you borrow a cow and you slaughter it on Shabbos, you don't have to pay because the liability of payment is only with the tficha. It's only... At the time you slaughter, at the time that the onus happens, it's not you don't really become chayev at the time that you that you that you that you first borrowed. So over here in our case, what's going to make a difference that the father left them the real estate? So what? Vishlam, if you would say that the chiyuv to pay is really there as soon as you borrow it. So as soon as the father bothered, he really had a chiyuv, and he left them real estate. So then the liability was already there. They have to get paid from the from the real estate that the father left them. But if you say not that way, and the chiyuv only comes when the onus occurs, so therefore they should not have to pay even if their father left them the real estate. So then it would be a dispute. However, the one who teaches it only on the seifa, only on the seifa, they should have been more careful when they thought it was theirs. There, if the father left them real estate, they have to pay. Although racial law, it does not apply in the ratio. In the ratio, where an unavoidable onus happens, even if the father left them real estate, they don't have to pay. Just like Rapapa, the point is, just like Rapapa was saying, that the chi of onus only comes when, the chi of to pay only comes when the onus happens. It's not there at the original time of the, of the borrowing. So, so to here, it would be like that. If just even if the father left him real estate, but in the ratio where it was an unavoidable onus which occurred, so then they would not have to pay even if they were left the real estate. Okay, so now we'll just try to make sure this is clear. The last approach, again, we had a question between our Mishnah and the Mishnah in Makos. The stira was that our Mishnah was saying that you pay money for, for Baal uh, when someone raped his, his sister, the Mishnah Mako says that there were lashes. So we have a Shlokish's approach to say that we're going like Rameir, that there's no principle that, that you don't get the double punishment of lashes and money. If you remember before, Rabbi Yochanan was saying a different approach, that we could say that our mission was a case where you weren't warned about, about, about the sin, and therefore there were no lashes. If there were no lashes, then you have to pay. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Yochanan didn't say like Rishlokish to Kamukla Rabbana. He didn't want the mission to only be like Rameir. He wanted it to be like the Rabbana, and therefore he said our mission was talking about a case that you weren't warned. Why didn't Rish Lakish go like Rabbi Yochanan? Why did Rish Lakish make the mission only like Rameir? 
Amalachah Rish tells you a heavy lundus in Kibbun Lebe Dirabimine. Kibbun Di'ilu Asrei Pater, since if the witnesses would have warned him, there would have been uh, a rule like the Rabbana that you don't get the lashes and pay the money. Even if you technically weren't warned, you should still have the rule that you, don't, that you don't have to pay the lashes and the money. In other words, the rule that you don't get lashes and the money is not when you practically are getting the lashes, then you're off the hook from the money. If you're doing the type of action which warrants lashes, even if there's a, a loophole why you're not getting the lashes, you're not going to get them because you weren't warned. But it's the type of action that brings about a chiv of lashes. If it's that type of action, then you don't pay money even if you weren't warned. So the whole point of Rabbi Yochanan is that if practically you're not getting the lashes, then you have to pay. It's exactly that point that Rishakish didn't like. According to Rabbanan, you should not have to pay even if you weren't warned. And the Gemara says, this dispute is Let's say someone was did a Misa B'Shogig, which if they did B'Mezid would be M'chayv them a death penalty. Or they did a Misa B'Shogig, which if they did B'Mezid would be M'chayv them Malkus. If they did that, Either one of those things, simultaneously with something that would be mechayev them money, do you have kim lebe or not? And again, the question is, is kim lebe only in a case where practically you're getting the more severe punishment, or is it even in a case where you're not? And the point is, it's the type of action which could bring it about. As the Gemara explains, if they didn't warn him, you're not getting the lashes, so then you have to pay. There's no kim lebe if you're not getting the more severe penalty. Since if they would have warned him, he would have been exempt. So even if they didn't warn him, he is also exempt. So now we can understand why Rish Lakish and Taylor Gabriel from him. He's very consistent. He holds Kim Levi's Rabbimine is true, even if it's practically not getting the more severe punishment, even if it's just the type of action which warrants that more severe punishment, then you don't pay the money. So in our, if we would, our mission would hold like the Rabbanon, that in Loka Mishalim, so even if they didn't warn him, you should have said Kim Levi's Rabbimine. Therefore, the only solution that Rish Lakish saw was to establish that our Mishnah was going like Rameer, who doesn't hold of the principle of in loka umeshal. And we will pick up more on this dispute tomorrow if Kim Lebed Rabbi applies only in Rabbi Yochanan's view when you're actually getting the more severe penalty. And in Rabbi disagrees. He says, even if it's just that, 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 that type of action that warrants the more severe penalty, then you wouldn't have to pay the monetary payment.